live and underway here on ESPN Plus alongside Hercules Gomez. I'm Sebi Salazar coming to you live on a Friday night, a calm, quiet Friday night, Herc. Not, not much going on here on episode 268 of this show. Just the U.S. Women's National Team kicking off their World Cup campaign and Lionel Messi kicking off quite literally his MLS career. How you doing over there on the West Coast? I'm doing good. How you doing, corporate Sebi? Ah, uh, we don't always we don't all have friends in high places who send us cool gear. Okay, I've been on the air. I've been on the desk. I've been hosting what some would refer to as real programs. Okay, wow, busy times here. Busy Not times. People I know. Uh, all right, so we got lots coming up in this show. Moments away from Ali Krieger joining us, the uh, two-time World Cup champ, to discuss the uh, U.S. and their three-nothing victory over Vietnam. Just wrapped up moments ago. We're going to be joined live from Fort Lauderdale by our colleague Luis Miguel Echegaray, who was one of the few people to get into DRV Pink Stadium. So we'll hear from somebody uh, that was there on the ground. We've got an exclusive interview with Ricardo Pepe, thanks to our good friends from ESPN Netherlands. And we'll also hear from Walker Zimmerman, who was one of many All-Stars gathered in D.C. this week as the best of MLS faced off against Arsenal. But, Herc, let's start with the matter at hand. The big game on the schedule tonight, the U.S. Women's National Team kicking off their title defense in Group E play against Vietnam, and it pretty much went to the script. Sophia Smith with a couple goals in the first half, one in the 14th minute, one deep in first half stoppage time, and then Lindsey Horan adding a goal in the 77th minute, and uh, that made it 3-0, the final score of of course, uh, this one played at Eden Park in Auckland, New Zealand. For more on this, great to welcome back into Football Americas our good friend and colleague Allie Krieger, who is not in a nightclub. She's at a at a watch <laughs> party. Allie, tell us tell us where you're at. What's going on out there? I am at currently Juneshine uh, Tasting Room in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, my wife and I, Ashlyn, we came out with a World Cup flavor. Uh, June Shine called Watermelon Raz. So we're celebrating Ooh. that tonight. There's a watch party behind me. It's all very exciting because the U.S. obviously won 3 nothing. Yes, yes. The party, Herc. We got to get invites to things like this. We're, <laughs> yeah. we're falling behind you I, and I. I don't are you here? I have Why not been home in a while. I must have not. I must mm-hmm. have missed it in the mail. Yeah, <laughs> missed it in the mail. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, Ali, at the end of the day, it is three points. It's a 3 nothing win. It's pretty comfortable. Uh, but I think at least through the first half, there were some moments where it, it maybe wasn't going like a lot of people thought it would. So what do you think of the performance here against Vietnam? Yeah, I mean, listen, it's obviously the first game. You want to get the cobwebs out a little bit. But I, I thought we would have come out, um, you know, putting them on their heels a little bit more than we did. Um, a couple of the chances, obviously, um, didn't come through. But uh, ultimately, the goal was to win the game. Uh, surprisingly, Alex uh, didn't score the PK, but I do feel like on the positive side of things, it's great that we were able to get three, three uh, points out of this game and we look forward to the next. All right, very difficult to nitpick when you score three goals in a World Cup and you win the game, right? All right, <laughs> right. We, we understand right. this, but there were moments in this game, especially early on, uh, Ali, when the U.S. really struggled to break down Vietnam in that low block. I really think the lack of Rose Lavelle hurt that creativity. There's a lack of creativity. Did you see the same thing? For sure. When you saw her come in the game, she's a game changer. You see her technical ability. You see her in between the lines. You see her as a link player. I think it's really important that she's in the game. It's crucial that we have her out there um, to do just that and to create the opportunities that we need in order to get in front of the goal and score goals. 
Um, but yes, this isn't, you know, unexpected. I mean, you want to come out and you want to be on your front foot in the first game of the, of the World Cup on the bigger stage. But sometimes against teams like this, where you don't know what the expectation will be or what they are going to come out looking like. Um, and it's very difficult to break down a team that's very compact. And um, you have to just kind of find uh, your chances as they come during the game. And I think we did that. Uh, yes, we didn't score the PK, but we were able to score two after that. And, and that's what solidified the win. Allie, what did I say on our ESPN FC Women's World <laughs> Cup special? I said it was, it was going to be tougher than people would think. This was not going to be you put the Thailand. Line this was not going to be 13 nothing. <laughs> no, no, I didn't pick that. Vegas put it at over under 5.5. And, and I said the team total for the U.S. would be under. Uh, that was an easy, easy winner for Seb, which I have not had uh, too many of late here. Let's talk about the lineup decisions from Vladko and Anofsky, Ali, because there was some, I don't know, head scratchers, but I think definitely surprises, right? I think for me, seeing Savannah DeMello in there was kind of a pleasant surprise. If ever she was going to get a start, this would seem to be the spot. Uh, and then I also think the other thing that stood out was Julie Ertz at center back. Overall, what do you think the approach was from Vladko and Anofsky to this game? Because to me, it felt a little bit like an experiment. For sure. I mean, we spoke about this before in previous shows that, you know, we weren't sure if JJ was going to be, uh, you know, playing in the sixth role or even center back filling in. Um, but I was quite surprised. I thought she would definitely be in the sixth and Alana would have started this game. But, you know, uh, I think he wanted to come out with a more structured defensive mentality, uh, maybe just to solidify things in the first match and continue to create chances uh, for the front six. And so I do feel like that's why he used JJ in that position. Also, uh, DeMello was definitely surprised. I never thought that she would have maybe started over Sanchez, who has been playing um, consistently for the U.S., um, you know, for the past year. So that that was a de definitely a surprise for me. You kind of throw her into the fire. It's her first cap <laughs> and her first experience at a World Cup. So I, I was surprised along with you with that choice. Ali, uh, what, if anything, did Vlaco learn from this experiment 11, experimental 11, as Sebi put it, especially going to Julie Ertz as a center back? What did he learn there? Yeah, she's she has all the qualities. She's such a great player. I mean, you, she's very versatile. You can put her anywhere uh, at this point. And I, I feel like she really solidified that role in 2015. I had a, an, an a chance to play next to her, which was such an honor for me because we were both kind of this, you know, experiences experiencing this new partnership. But I do feel like it was seamless for her today. She felt very, she looked very comfortable. And I know that it's nothing new for her. So I think that was really a uh, confident uh, performance from her. And I think that we're going to see her there uh, in, the, in the near future throughout this tournament for sure. All right, I was patting myself on my back for the picks that I made in one of our earlier shows. I got to give Allie some credit now uh, because when she was asked who she was most excited to see tonight, she didn't hesitate. She said, Sophia Smith. Mm. That is our player of the match chosen by production. They didn't get it wrong, did they, Allie? No, absolutely not. She had what, two goals and one assist. I mean, it was incredible. Um, she's, she's a winner, like she said. And she wants to compete. She wants to win. She wants to be consistent. And she wants to keep that spot. So you have to do everything you can to make the coaches, you know, uh, not ignore you. And uh, in order to stay out there on the field and the squad and this tournament, you have to be your best. And I think she proved that tonight, that she's willing to take on this role, 
let's say, hey, you put the ball in, in the front of the goal or in the box, I'm going to just create chances, even half chances, and really get the job done because she wants to win. She wants to be that player that the team counts on and that she carries the team on her back. And you could tell um, just by watching her performances and throughout this year. And now she's on the biggest stage and she's just, she's already taken it. Um, yeah. She's taken that role, that leadership role in the front. And it's just really, really enjoyable to watch. Sophia Smith's kind of the easy answer, right? We we expect her to be one of the standouts. Is there anybody else for you, Ali, that, that stood out that you're just thinking, like, went under the radar and you really liked her performance? Yeah, I mean, Lindsay, Lindsay Horan, who's, who had a goal. Mm. Uh, she's always consistent. You know what you're going to get from her. So I think that's why she's, you know, been in the squad for so long. Uh, you know that you can count on her in those big moments. Um, but Trinity Rodman, even though maybe there wasn't that much um, created, she's causing havoc and she's putting the back line under pressure and with her pace, with her athleticism um, and now knowledge of the game at such a you know young age. I just feel like she's a threat and people need to be aware of her and defenders need to be a little bit nervous and have to keep them, you know, keep her in her back in their back pocket. Um, or else it could get a little dangerous. I was expecting tonight maybe five to seven goals, um, mm. but hopefully building off of this performance, um, they can go into the next game super confident with those front three, um, kind of with, a, you know, just trying to get the cobwebs out a little bit. So, so I'm excited to see the next game and, and what this front six can do. Herc, we've asked Allie about every position except the one she played. Uh, let's talk about the outside backs. I'm curious kind of what you thought of their performance, what you think of the, the respective kind of depth charts at each position, uh, and then beyond that, how they play and maybe how different it was from the job that you did for Jill Ellis four years ago. Well, my job was probably so great. No. Um, <laughs> I... I I, I miss playing outside back, honestly. you get I love to defend, but I also love to get into the attack and really be a part of um, creating chances and serving balls in. Um, and, and I really think that there's so much um, value in that position, but not many people give the appreciation that it deserves uh, because it's really difficult to go up and back constantly in a game like this, especially when you're trying to break down a defense that's super compact. And so you, I think uh, we did uh, a, a good job. I think obviously there's moments that we can build on and there's uh, exciting moments to come because I think Crystal Dunn and Emily Fox are two amazing outside backs that are so dynamic and they want to get to, into the attack, but they're also good defenders. And I think you really have to have that variability and you have to have that trust um, that they're going to get the job done and, and they do. And so you can sometimes see Emily Fox even in and around the box, trying to get on the end of chances. Like tonight, it didn't come off necessarily, but she's trying to create these chances that I think outside backs really need to do now in the modern game. All right. All right. Al, oh, uh, we don't have, we don't have too long. All right. Uh, we got to let you go because sports center's calling. They want her on sports center just a little <laughs> yeah. bit. Uh, but beyond yeah. the U S uh, what's been your kind of surprise of the tournament so far? Cause we have seen some, some, I don't want to say shocking, but I would say some pretty surprising results through the first couple of days already. Yeah, I was actually really surprised that the two host countries really coming out and um, showing their confidence and showing their willingness to want to win and really put a stamp on this tournament, obviously in front of their hometown fans. Uh, it's pretty incredible to see that motivation and that, that um, you know, uh, willingness to want to succeed and just the drive and determination because 
maybe in previous tournaments that that hasn't been the case. And so I think they are really now building that confidence going into the second game. I mean, the first win ever for New Zealand uh, in, in a tournament and they're playing in their home country is, is pretty incredible. And I think that's what football is all about. Um, just celebrating these moments and, and really seeing the change and the progression, the positivity that's happening in women's football and how every team is really coming together and, and raising the level, not just within the U.S. And so that is what I think is so exciting, that any team now, it feels like, can win on any day. And that's what there this is. tournament is about, the best of the best. New Zealand with the uh, big win over Norway, Australia getting their victory over Ireland. Ali Krieger, thanks so much for the time, and we'll see you in a few minutes on SportsCenter, yeah? Awesome. Thank you so much. The two-time World Cup champ, uh, Ali Krieger. Great to have her with us here on Football Americas as we take a look at the Group E table. The U.S. sitting pretty in first. Netherlands and Portugal kicking off in just a few hours' time. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. The other big game on this Friday night, just the small matter of Lionel Messi making his debut with Inter-Miami. It's going to say MLS debut, but it's not MLS. It's League's Cup, taking on Cruz Azul. Of course, uh, Messi starting off on the bench. Trey Callender, big save right there. Cruz Azul all over Inter-Miami early. Brutal miss there. Not the uh, only time we see some Cruz Azuliando in this one. How about this? The pride of Finland, Robert Taylor Hurt getting on the score sheet. I mean, it's a very good goal. Good switch. Point attack right there. Takes him on. Onto his right foot. You can't lead him there from that distance. That many bodies. Look at that. Look how he celebrates this. This is ridiculous. Probably the most irrelevant goal of, that he's witnessed in his club career, and he's celebrating it like he won a World Cup. 53rd minute. 
Write it down in your diaries. That's when he entered the match. Uh, the only problem was Cruz Azul would score in the 65th. Uriel Antuna makes it 1-1. Yeah, come on, Miller. You, you can't let him turn like that. And right here, there is no foul whatsoever. Ah, he sold don't start this. with this. He sold don't it. Don't start with this. But oh my. Oh my, Seb. Sell whatever you want. Nobody cares about the Cruz Azul foul or not. They're there to see this. The script writes itself. An amazing moment among amazing moments. Lionel Messi, the game-winning goal on a walk-off, effectively, set piece. Just brilliant. Incredible scenes in Fort Lauderdale. I mean, the heat map tells you one story, but the video of that goal, it'll live forever. All right, Herc. Couldn't have gone much better for our friends at MLS, huh? <laughs> I mean... I think for everybody who tuned in in general, now let's state the obvious. Inter Miami's terrible. They need mm. lots of work. And one of the biggest questions we had was what type of messy is Inter Miami and Major League Soccer getting here? Well, I think we got a glimpse into the type of Messi, el animal del gol que es Messi. He's a beast out there at 36 years of age. He probably should only play 10 minutes if you're being realistic about this. He chose to play 36 plus minutes because you go into stoppage time. 40 plus minutes he played because he knew how special the night was for everybody who came out and see him. He knew what this meant to him. He's out there and you could see, yes, that he's gonna need more fitness. Yes, he's gonna need more understanding to the teammates that are there or who may be there or come. Yes, that the sharpness on the ball uh, will get there. But everything he showed you that he does have shows you why he's the best player in the world, even at 36 years of age, and why here today in an irrelevant game, and I repeat, irrelevant game for Messi because he's 10 days post-vacation, he shows you how he could turn it on just like that. And tell me if there was a doubt in your mind that when Lionel Messi steps up to that free kick, when the free kick is given, that it's not going to be messy, and it's not going to hit the back of the net. I had no doubts. Yeah. I mean, you felt like you were, you were seeing step one of a step two process. And even listening to the announcers, you could tell that they knew the foul was significant. As soon as the foul was given, it kind of sets everything up. Look, this was perfect. This was a perfect moment. I mean, I got goosebumps before the goal on the 53rd minute when he comes on. And I'm excited that it, he came on that early, Herc, because I think realistically we thought maybe 15 minutes, maybe half an hour. But at the 45-minute mark, as soon as the second half kicks off, you see him starting to warm up. By 51, he takes the shirt off. By 53, he's coming on. Uh, and it's just an amazing moment. And then to see his first touch, and it took a while. I think it took maybe two or three minutes till he really got on the ball the first time. He connects with Taylor. There's a little triangle. He finds DeAndre Yedlin. Suddenly it's Tiki Taka. Did I catch a back heel in there from DeAndre Yedlin on like his first little back and forth with Messi? Then Messi's in. He loses the ball. Got called for a foul. I don't think it was a foul, but his first touch is Herc. He literally made Inter-Miami not look better. Look good. And to your point, the first half, they looked terrible, and so did Cruz Azul. And we talk about this being a showcase for MLS. It was also a showcase of the worst teams in Liga MX and the worst teams uh, in MLS. But when he came on, he took it to another level. And, Herc, that moment of the goal, and then watching him run over to his kids, I mean, I think that's going to be burned in every American soccer fan's memory for the rest of time. Yes, for the rest of time. Listen, everybody's going to compare... 
his debut to Pelé's debut and maybe other debuts out mm. there. Um, there's something that changes everything, and it's, it's this little thing that we have right here. It's, it's the cell phone. It's the tablet. It's, it's whatever you mm -hmm. have. Technology today, it, whether you have the device or the, the platform to view it or not, it's available in so many different countries that you can if you wanted to. And he's a player. He's a star that captivates so many different walks of life. I guarantee you this is going to be everywhere, everywhere for the next 36 to 48 hours. Yeah, remember the Zlatan goal on his debut and how everybody kind of trumpeted the digital impressions yeah. on that. This will be, be 10 times that. All right, let's uh, welcome into the show somebody who was there to witness it live at DRV Pink Stadium in Fort Lauderdale. Luis Miguel Echegaray joins us now waving the Inter-Miami flag. I don't even think that's an Inter-Miami flag. I think that's just a messy DS Yeah, I don't flag. even think that's official. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's like the jerseys I bought on the There's side of the road there the other day. <laughs> There's nothing into Miami about this. This is all about Messi. Everything that you guys just said. And by the way, it's such an honor to be here. Finally, the debut with you boys. Listen, I got to tell you something. Everything that you just said is exactly correct. And let's quadruple that. Just because inside that stadium, I saw two matches hmm. within essentially the same environment. Every single person inside Fort Lauderdale inside that stadium, in DRV Pink Stadium, they were just wanting one thing. They didn't even care about the result, to, uh, to Herc's point. It wasn't about the fact that, yes, okay, it's the League's Cup. Yes, they need a victory. Yes, especially they need to get a new strategy in the Tata Martino. Yes, they haven't won a League's game since May 21st. It didn't matter. Lionel Messi was here to write the script, rewrite the script over and over again. And like you said, uh, Sebi, you just knew that every time he touched the ball, some magic was going to happen. And you just knew as soon as he got that free kick, it was going to happen. But to be inside that stadium, especially in this area with the Latin American flavor, every, almost, I saw every jersey was pink or black or Argentina. Every single one of them had Messi at the back. And that's saying <laughs> something. It was an amazing night, a magical night, an existential, I think. That's why I stole this flag just for you guys. Look right here. Uh, let's talk about that stadium uh, because we had More Beltran and Ahora Nunca yesterday, and I asked her if it was if Argentina, like the stadiums in Argentina, had the the, the capability uh, with, with the structure, with the seating, with with the security to have Messi play in their country. She's like, no, probably not. So let's go to. Drive, uh, Drive Pink Stadium. How did it hold up? You already mentioned the buzz. What about everything around it? The seating, the security uh, for a star of this magnitude? It's a small stadium. It's only like 18K. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's kind of actually, it, it reminds me a lot of Audi Field, just the way that it's like, mm. you know, situated and geographically it's, it's placed and, and, and the size of it. <laughs> it. Well, I'll tell you what, like with scotch tape maybe in the corners, because they added some extra seats for today, because usually it's an 18,000 seater, but obviously well, they pushed it to about 22,000. But to that point about security, Herc, I was here a few weeks ago to write that big feature for ESPN, and I actually came to a game for July 4th. It's a completely different situation. I could have entered the pitch. I could have played in that game during that. <laughs> this time around, it's easier to get into the White House, I think. This was just ridiculous. The security was, and even with the security, obviously there was, a, you know, trying to be a pitch invader, I believe, you know, right after that magical goal. But the security was intense, and it was very, very difficult to even get in, as you know, Her Gomez. And obviously it wasn't an easy situation just because all over the stadium, whether you wanted to get in, even 
even in your seats. For example, there were some seats that were very close to the goal, and many fans, even before kickoff, wanted to just get really close and, you know, say hello to the goalkeepers were the first players who come in to train, and the security guard would just push them everybody back because security was big, big, big. And also, by the way, you know what's really funny about the RV Pink Stadium? When the players, like, when Messi was on the bench with Sergio Busquets, he's about five meters away from Kim Kardashian's kids. Like, they're that close. Like, everybody's so close. LeBron James could literally just extend his arm and touch Sergio Busquets. It's all very, like, you know, close-knitted, which is great, I think. It's a good atmosphere because you don't really see it, especially in Europe, maybe more in North America. But definitely today, I think, was a lesson for everybody that works within that stadium, that especially when they host other teams like Atlanta United in the next few days, they're going to have to really wrap up and keep up the security because this messy mania is not going anywhere. Mm. Take us to the goal. I want to hear about the moment. I want to hear where you were, how the crowd oh reacted, God, how the stadium man. reacted, what you were feeling. Oh, it was crazy. All right, so it's three chapters. The first chapter is Lionel Messi getting off the bench to warm up with the rest of the players on the bench. So I said, okay, which gets, et cetera. That's when everybody stood up, chanted Messi, because they knew. They knew the minutes were coming. Then the second chapter is when he comes on, takes on the armband. And uh, as Sebi was saying earlier, every time he touched the ball, he was getting more comfortable. He's a master of his own tempo, Lionel Messi, at 36 years old, right? He orchestrates everything. And then chapter three, the goal. You knew it was happening. The free kick happened and everybody in that stadium. I was next to Drake Cordera, who we all know very well. And both of us looked at each other and just said, it's coming, isn't it? Yeah, it's mm-hmm. coming. I turn around and boom, he bent it like his owner. He bent it like Beckham in the top left corner. It was, it was quite a goal. And not one single, I think there was like a pause. Everybody inside the stadium kind of like taking a breath in and then they were just like oh my god he actually did that ridiculous free kick and then it just erupted it was amazing it was really amazing and because it's such a small stadium relatively speaking to others mm-hmm. you just felt that energy everybody stamping their feet on the ground it was i couldn't believe it after three seconds i really should have because he, you know we we know messi do this every time guys it's ridiculous what he did the stadium was popping and it's still popping all right there, there are a few things we got to see on TV, maybe some things we didn't get to see on TV that you could shed a light. There was a brief image actually of David Beckham crying. Uh, the star mm. power that was there. Yeah. At one point, I saw David Beckham taking pictures with Lionel Messi, and he was breaking out like the old school cameras to take a picture. Was there anything you saw that maybe we didn't see on TV when it came to the star power in that moment of the free kick? Yeah, the Beckham thing was very interesting because I I was looking at him throughout the whole thing because he was actually, he was like a little kid today. Before anybody entered the pitch, even, you know, way before kickoff, he was in the middle of the pitch just like taking everything in because he knows that this is a big moment for him. Obviously, you know the history. We all know the history of, of what it's taken for him to get to this point. And when that goal happened, you saw him, Victoria Beckham was right behind him, and he was so emotional. I believe David Grotman, you know, who I interviewed as well for my piece, he was right next to him as well. They were so emotional because it was such a big moment, not just for the win. I think the win was really the last thing in his mind. It was about the moment, about what it meant. And obviously, after the game, once Messi entered towards the tunnel, first, uh, 
Kim Kardashian's kid grabbed him to take a selfie. But the second thing that <laughs> happened was they embraced each other, David Beckham and Leo. And it's just meant a lot for him. And then other celebrities, LeBron was high-fiving, you know, uh, his, his crew right there, Serena Williams applauding as well. It was such a weird moment. All these celebrities, Leo Messi, and then you've got, like, you know, Vice City and the Southern Legion. It was just so Miami, so Fort Lauderdale to just get Leo Messi to score a stoppage winning goal, hug David Beckham, take a selfie with Kim Kardashian's children, and then just leave the game. Like, it was ridiculous. It's the new Major League Soccer. It's not all that different from when Herc played. <laughs> well, actually, yeah, yeah 2007 right. was the Beckham year. So, yes, you're right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Boom. <laughs> let, me, let me ask kind of big picture, because it feels right now like anything is possible, right? You watch those 30 minutes, you watch mm. those 40 minutes, you think, nah, this guy can, can make this can make this team do anything. Uh, are we getting caught up in the moment? Like, you, you watch this team play. You've seen them practice a couple times. What is the ceiling on this? And I'm talking in the short term. Like, can they make a run in this tournament? Is, is there something to be done in the MLS Cup playoffs? We know they're already in the semifinals of the Open Cup. What, what's the ceiling on this thing now that we can really dream? Yeah, you know what? That's a good question. And that's the other side of this coin, I think, that we have to take into consideration, right? Okay, magical moment. Okay, they have arguably the greatest player that's ever lived playing for them. Okay, Sergio Busquets, by the way, one of the greatest midfielders the game has ever seen. Jordi Alba's about to come. But guess what? Just like Herc said at the beginning, they're not good. They're not a good team. The second worst defensive record in the Eastern Conference. They haven't won a league game since May 21st. They've only won two cup tournaments within, two cup matches within that time frame. So, you know, they have a lot to do. The good news is, is that if you want victories and you want trophies, there are avenues to do this. Herc, I saw your tweet about the avenue of how Inter Miami could possibly win the League's Cup. It's not impossible. The more fitness Messi gets, the more accustomed uh, Sergio Busquets gets. I think Jordi Alba actually is a massive piece of this because I think one of the biggest issues when it comes to a Tata Martino system is that, okay, you commit yourself forward so much, but what happens right the moment you lose the ball? Jordi Alba is going to be very important in that situation. And also, they're in the semifinals of the U.S. Open Cup. The winner of that gets a spot in CONCACAF Cup, doesn't it? So there are ways for them to get things. It's just when it comes to MLS, okay, what? 12 points away from the last playoff spot with two games extra. Realistically, statistically, numerically, you can do it. Will it happen? I don't know, because Cruz Azul, three straight losses in Apertura, and they just lost today. They've only scored two goals in that time frame. It's not like they played a good team today. Atlanta United will be a much more interesting test against Thiago Almada and Co. Yeah, you know what? I actually think I don't mind Cruz Azul. I think they're better than the record indicates. It's only been three games. Uh, this is probably the worst Major League Soccer team. I don't think this is the worst Mexican club. Uh, but you're right. Uh, their road to success in League's Cup is a lot easier than most would think. I think they would take the teams they have to face up into that uh, bracket, if you will. All right. A little bit of names. I mean, do we have anything from ownership? Are they going to make more moves? We know Jordi Alba's coming. We know that there's been rumors of Luis Suarez. Is there anything concrete in the works for Inter Miami? Because they need help. He, Messi needs help if they are to be successful. Yeah, they, they, need a, they need a lot of help, like, like you said. Luis Suarez, Lucha Suarez, as you mentioned, has been talked about, but I don't think anything, if, if it happens at all, because I know the Gremio ownership over there is not happy with him, but if it happens at all, it wouldn't even be until next season. And that's pretty much the barometer that I've set Inter Miami to do, to get going from next season, because this season is just, you know, testing the waters. Then there was some crazy rumors, which is obviously I, I just unfounded in Andres Iniesta. That's not going to happen anytime soon. But I, I think the key here 
here is to make sure that the players that they already have, who, by the way, Drake Callender's a very good goalkeeper, man. He kept them in this game for a long time. So they have pieces. They have things that they can do. I just think that the most important thing is for Messi Busquets to get more fitness and for their team around them, right, to get more accustomed. I actually talked to uh, Robert Taylor, the, the scorer of the opening goal, the Finn midfielder attacker, and he said to me, listen, like, everybody's getting more comfortable with Messi and Busquets and vice versa. And I think the more cohesion we have, the better it's going to be. Because let's remember, Tata Martino just arrived and his mm -hmm. system is not easy to, to understand, especially with this Inter-Miami system. So I see Inter-Miami doing their thing next season. But if they can win the U.S. Open Cup, that's a win. Yeah. Yep. I think it's September 27th, something like that would be the Open Cup final. Save the date. Save the date. I've got to get past FC Cincinnati <laughs> on August 23rd. Nothing easy about that, but uh, what a story it would be. Yeah. Luis Miguel, great to have you with us on Football Americas. We will do it again before long. Thanks again. Later, buddy. I hope so. Thank you, brothers. Thank you. Luis Miguel Echegara, great to have him with us live from Fort Lauderdale, giving us that on-the-ground feel of Lionel Messi's debut. All right, Herc was telling you, Inter-Miami says... Might not be a bad futures bet I never in the said League's that. Cup. <laughs> I never said wow. that. Wow, I'm paraphrasing. I'm paraphrasing here. Plus 1,600. I mean, it's a good value there. It's a good value there. Uh, LAFC and Club America, still your favorites. More League's Cup action. Austin Mazatlan. One everybody signed up for. Uh, Josue Coleman in the 49th minute gets us off. One nothing start for Mazatlan. What? what, what? What's going on here? This is who I would have said was the worst team in Liga Mekis. Hey, Diego Fagundes for Austin from the spot. Makes it 1-1. Okay, Diego, roof it! Couple minutes later, Andres. Oh, Montaño, wow, what a, what a blast. What a blast? What, what happened to the goalkeeper there? Oh, Screen. Like, come on. Screen. 88 minutes. Time winding down. Eduard Bello scores. Offside flag up, but that's why we have VAR. He was on. What a sexy ball. Good finish, too. Bodies him up, then finishes it up. Goals all over the place as Mazatlan beats Austin FC by a final score of 3-1. And here's a look at the rest of the Friday night lights from League's Cup. Inter-Miami winners, Mazatlan as well. Houston and Orlando play to a 1-1 draw. Dallas and Charlotte. Played to a 2-2 tie. Uh, Orlando and Charlotte winning in the penalty shootout. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.
And next to the Air Divise, where Ricardo Pepe is enjoying his first preseason with new club PSV after completing a roughly $10 million transfer from Augsburg. By the way, uh, Augsburg and PSV are going to face off in preseason. That'll be neat. The 20-year-old scored 13 goals across all competitions last season for now relegated FC Groningen, where he was on loan. And thanks to our friends at ESPN Netherlands, we've got an exclusive interview with El Tren. How is it to be here at PSV? Uh, very excited, man. You know, very happy for the opportunity, of course, and you know, just ready, ready to get to work. Yeah. Was it? Uh, how was it to not be uh, playing at the Gold Cup? I think it's something that you know you need to. I talked to the coach, and you know, it's for certain reasons, you know, like being in preseason. You know, I think it's very important to be in a preseason, especially if you're in a new club. So yeah, that was a. Uh, it wasn't like I lost an opportunity. It was just mostly because you know I, I needed to be in the preseason. Yeah. You played the Nations League, which was also uh, quite an uh, experience. Yeah, it was also very nice, you know, playing versus Mexico and then winning the trophy, of course, it was it was an experience, it was very fun. So, you know, Gold Cup was, you know, something that of course I would I would have loved to be in, but I think in preseason, like I said, it's very important. Yeah. How did you look at USA uh, performing at the Gold Cup? Yeah, I feel like everything was uh, you know, everything they were doing good until, you know, they got a little unlucky versus Panama and PK. So, you know, it's always a 50-50 chance when it comes to to penalties. So, I think, you know, the boys were doing the best they could and, you know, just very unlucky. Yeah. Uh, you were here now with PSV. Uh, Santiago Jimenez a few days ago was still scoring the, the winning goal in the Gold Cup. It's quite a difference. Yeah, of course, you know, quite a difference. Like you say, you know, I, I just wish him the best. Of course, I don't like comparing myself to a lot of players out here. You know, I wish him the best, like, just like he's wishing me the best all the time. So, you know, I feel like it's a it's a good uh, relationship that we have. Yeah. It could be an intense battle where many Mexican and, and American fans are looking forward to. Feyenoord against PSV, USA, Mexico against USA. How do you look at it? I just like to focus on myself, man, to be honest. You know, I just want to help the club. You know, I want to score goals for, for PSV. So I think that's the most important thing. And, you know, if fans want to make it a competition, then let them make it a competition. But I feel like the only competition I have is myself. Yeah. Why is PSV the best step for you? I just, uh, the club, you know, just a club in general, you know, one of the biggest club here in the Netherlands. So, you know, just very important for me to, you know, to grow as a player, to grow as a person. And I feel like this club is a, is a perfect example that, you know, I'm going to just be the best player again. Why did you choose, for example, to, to go for your spot at Augsburg and play in uh, a, a better competition? Why, why why did it turn out to be PSV? Yeah, you know, you know, the thing is, uh, you know, just having the the option to be able to come to a, a club like this, I feel like it's a, it's an opportunity that that I had to take, and you know, it's an opportunity that I was also working on, on a lot. So you know, I decided to move to Groningen to eventually get this opportunity. So you know, this opportunity came by, and I feel like you know, like you said, I wanted I wanted to grow as a player, I wanted to grow as a person, and I feel like this is a this was the next step that that I could have taken in my career. Was it clear for you after the season with Groningen that you wanted to stay in the Netherlands? Yeah, it was very clear for me that, you know, it was a good competition. I feel like I could stay here one or two years, you know, and, you know, eventually grow as a player before making that, that other step. But, you know, like I said, I'm very happy where I am and, you know, I'm just very excited to get to work. Yeah. How do you look at the battle with Luke Dion? Because he's, yeah, he's been here the striker for, for a long time in different periods. He's the captain. It will be quite an intense battle. Yeah, I feel like it's a it's a good competition, you know. I feel like it's a healthy, healthy, healthy competition. You know, he's a guy that I can learn a lot of things from, and you know, that's what I look at. That's the way I look at the competition. You know, of course, it's a, it's always going to be healthy. You know, I know he's a great guy. You know, I know I'm a good guy. So you know, it's always going to be a good competition, making each other better. Peter Bos in in his first day as as a PSV coach said, yeah, maybe they can play together. Um, and what role would you play then? Are you 
uh, really just a striker? Could you also play a little bit around the team? Yeah, I feel like you know that's uh, mostly for the, for the coach to decide. But you know, I feel like I've played before in the as a false nine. You know, I played under under the striker. I played as a as a real striker. So you know, there's some there's some var varieties there that I can also have. But you know, like I said, that's a that's a coach's decision, and we'll see what happens. Last season, you scored quite quite some goals at Groningen, and you were uh, uh, under in the table performing. Now you're going to perform. In the top uh, top of the table, how many goals can we expect this season? Yeah, you know, always my I like to set my my standards up high, so I'm always going to go to for 15. 15 is uh, the minimum, of course, but you know, that's always going to be that's always going to be my target. And you know, like I said, competing in the highest level is going to be one of my targets as well, and helping the team out. You don't aim higher than 15. I, you know, I, like I said, you know, minimum is 15. Of course, you know, we can always go 20, 25, but we'll see how that works out. I mean, he's not going to say lower. He's not going to say lower, right? All right, so impromptu, impromptu edition of Book It here. Ricardo Pepe, will he score more than 15 goals? All right, so these are, these are league goals we're setting it at, right? 15, so 15 and a half. Is he going over 15 and a half? Or is he under? League goals? I go under. League goals. I go under league goals. I think he goes over. I think he goes over 15 and a half. Com just all comps. All comps, but okay. Yeah, because if he's going to score more than 15 league goals, he's an out-and-out -out starter. And I don't know if he's going to be an out-and-out -out starter with Luke DeJohn in the mix. And especially if the coach is talking about playing him as a false nine or as that 10 position underneath the nine. Uh, listen, better squad, more chances, absolutely, but also more competition. Mm -hmm. So I could see him having 15-plus goals in all comps. No problem. I actually put that out on Twitter uh, in this Q&A I did on my flight back. I, I put the number at 15. I thought he's going to go over, but all comps. When you're just talking about okay. league goals, you get very specific, and I think you're forgetting of some of the players he has around him who want the same thing. So what's changed? Because when we first talked about this move, I brought up Luke DeYoung, who is maybe a little bit past his prime, but he's only 32. He had 14 league goals last year. He had 18 all comps, as they just heard in that interview. He's the captain. He's a valued part of this team. I thought that could hack away at some of Pepe's playing time. What's changed for you? Because you, you before weren't that worried about Luke no, no, Young no, no, tipping no, away. No, 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 no. I wasn't worried about him scoring goals. Now, when you specifically made it to league goals, that worries me for him. I think he'll play mm -hmm. because they've got a lot of different competitions and because I think he's a versatile player and because I think he's a young player, he'll come off the bench for a player like Luke Dijon. But to get 15-plus league goals, you have to be an out-and-out -out player. Listen, he was playing mm -hmm. every single game for, for um, Garnigan, and he scored 12 league goals. It's not the easiest thing. And I understand what you're saying. It's, it's, a, it's a team that's not as good as PSV, but oftentimes when you're chasing the game, you're throwing everything, the kitchen sink out there, and you're getting those opportunities. So you're going to have those chances. He's going to be in a better structure but with better players, and that's a uh, double-edged sword there. What about this idea of him playing out of position, of him playing under the striker? I think that would totally change how we evaluate this move to PSV if he's either coming off the bench or playing that position, right? We, we, were, we were giving this an A-plus when he made the move from Augsburg, but now you're telling well, me he's going to be a hold 10? Hold on a second, Seth. He could win the position and not score more than 15 goals and still be a successful season. There's, there's no... I'm talking about the possibility of him playing out of position like was mentioned yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm just want, don't get ahead of yourself. Don't switch up the question of the goalpost. Now, playing out of position, that is different. I don't want a Dutch 
Jesus Ferreira situation going on where we're judging this man because we think he should be playing somewhere else and then it's raining down on him. He's a very good player and there's a reason that the coach at this level thinks he can play multiple positions. But let's not forget why he's there. Let's not forget what got him on this radar. Mm -hmm. He's a goal scorer. He is dangerous. He is goal oriented. So you want to keep him from the goal. I don't care if it's Luke DeJohn. Now you mentioned his age, but you also mentioned he's a captain. He's a very important player. He's not just going to go away for anybody. So if Ricardo Pepe is to win this position, is to win this battle. He's going to have to do it the hardest of ways, taking it from the captain. All right, so you're saying under 15 goals. How many, he had 12 league goals at Groningen? I mean, I, I got to say over, man. If he had 12 goals at Groningen, I'm going to go over here. Yeah, for sure. I got confidence in Ricardo for Pepe. Sure. Over 15 and a half goals for sure. uh, this year for PSV. Book it. Book it. Put it in there. <laughs> I mean, he got 12 for Groningen. They got relegated. Plus, he's got a full preseason. Plus, a year, a year under again. Come on. Uh, elsewhere in the Eredivisie, Santiago Jimenez getting ready for year two with Feyenoord. Year one went pretty well. 15 league goals, five Europa League goals, three Dutch Cup goals, plus a league title. All that has led to plenty of transfer speculation. You've heard of Benfica. Spurs has most recently been linked. Dennis Teclosa, he's the CEO of Feyenoord. And he had this to say about... Santi's future. Santiago Jiménez heeft de Gold Cup gewonnen. Staat vandaag op de Portugese krant als mogelijke versterking voor Benfica. Hij kan mogelijk naar Spurs op het moment dat Kane daar weggaat. Blijft Jiménez bij Feyenoord? Ja, 100%. Ja. Heb je dat met hem afgesproken of hoe sta je erin? Nou, want sommige aanbiedingen zijn misschien toch niet te weigeren. Nou, kijk, als het echt op, om. Uh, ja. Dan, dan ga je als, als, als. En ik, vind, ik vind het wel stellig en dat is mooi. Een duidelijke ja. Ons, ons idee is uh, Santiago uh, binnen selectie van Feyenoord speelt. Wij hebben langdurig contract met hem. Uh, ik denk dat het eerlijk gezegd, en ik ken hem natuurlijk al heel lang, vanaf dat hij klein is. Ik denk dat ook het, het, uh, het advies van mij uit uh, om nog heel even... Die ervaring op te doen om die Champions League ervaring mee te pakken en zich daar ook te laten zien. Want dat is ook nog, dat is ook nog een stap. Ik denk dat dat voor hem heel goed is en voor ons als Feyenoord ook heel erg goed is. Dus ik denk in, in een ideale situatie uh, is uh, Santiago uh, Feyenoord. Feyenoord taking a hardline stance on selling Santiago Jimenez this summer. Herc, are you cool with it? Sign the contract. He's their product. It's as easy as that. It's not a situation... Anti-player rhetoric from Hercules Gomez. I never thought I'd see the day. Mm -hmm. Listen, man. It's not a situation that you, in your mind, because you think this way, would want to compare it to Edson Alvarez, where it's like, they're holding him hostage. They won't let him go. Look how many transfers they turned down. Listen, there is no Tottenham Hotspur transfer. There is no report. It's a rumor out there. Now, he's being asked about a rumor. He said it last season. It'd have to be something crazy for him to leave. At all odds point that he's going to be a Feyenoord player. He's a very important player for them. Now this next step that everybody wants to see Santiago Jimenez, that I want to see Santiago Jimenez in as well. Trust me, I think he should go. If he has the opportunity, mm -hmm. you should go. Test yourself. But the next step is Champions League. Guess what? Got it. Gonna, they got it. They're going to be there. They're going to be there. The next step is being the man. Guess what? Mm -hmm. He's the man there. And he's going to have more responsibility. It's going to be harder this season than it was last season. Yeah. Last season, they didn't see him coming. They see you coming now. They know that you were the second leading goal scorer in the Europa League. Only Marcus Rashford scored more goals than you in the Europa League. They know that you were the leading goal scorer for Feyenoord, the championship winning team in the Eredivisie. 
They, all, they know all these things. They can see you coming out. It's going to be harder, much more difficult. Now, if you can prove it again this year, there's going to be a move. I've got no issue with that. There will be a move. He's a goal scorer. It'd be great if you can get out. Absolutely. First one to say get out is me. Get out. Mm-hmm. But this is in a situation like an Edson Alvarez where you're being forced to stay. Yeah, first of all, a lot of this is posturing, Herc, right? This is what guys have to say. I think I hear a door almost open a little bit when Dennis Teclosa says, ideally, right. he stays as a Feyenoord player, right? That, that says in an ideal world, but I may not control everything, and maybe he does go. They've been very clear. They don't want to let him go this summer. Uh, you've said he should go anywhere. You say Benfica is a good, a good move. Spurs is, is a big club, right? And I think it's that move that you might dream for him eventually. It feels, I would just say, even as somebody who loves Santiago Jimenez and thinks the, the world of him, that he's not ready for that. But, Herc, I would really worry about him going to a club like that in the wake of Harry Kane leaving because that's why they would go after a player like that. And I don't want Santiago Jimenez to have to be the guy to replace Harry Kane. That's a no-win for him. Well, we've seen this before, right? Uh, we, we've seen them try to replace. I mean, Richarlison was there. We saw how that worked out. Harry Kane replacing a player of that magnitude. There's no way they'll give that responsibility to a player as unproven as Santi Jimenez. Like, mm. listen, he's proven it in the Eredivisie. We, that's, that's great. But there's a huge, massive jump from the Netherlands to the Premier League. So I don't think they would... He would be one of many, I think, one of many to replace the goal-scoring capabilities of Harry Kane. He wouldn't be the one they would say has to replace him. Of course, according to Dennis Teclose, he's staying in the Eredivisie 100%. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, uh, let's turn our attention to the Major League Soccer All-Stars who were in my neck of the woods, Washington, D.C., taking on uh, Arsenal. Five minutes in, Arsenal on the attack. Ball going to make its way to Gabriel Jesus. Epic chip or deflection, Her? No, it's a deflection, but it's a golazo. It's a deflection. It's a deflection. It may have been a cross as well. (laughs) He meant to be dangerous. 23rd minute. Kai Osaka, the Trossard, Golasso. Yeah, man, it's Golasso, but there are a lot of bodies there. I don't know if Berkey could have done more. Well, guess we'll never know. Arsenal coming for a third. Tim Parker, the guilty party here, called for a handball. Yeah, checking wingers out. And then look at this. Oh, a little stutter step. Tyler Miller. Jorginho Classic to make it 3-0. 84th minute, Martin Odegaard. Head for Gabriel Martinelli. Four. I I love how Matt Miazga is like looking at the lines and like, come on, help me out. (laughs) Arsenal weren't done. Looking for La Manita. Kai Havertz. Oh. With authority. Oh no. Gotta jump higher than that. 
Wayne Rooney, the manager, not happy after. What did you take out of this game personally as a, as a coach? And you're honing your craft as a, as a young coach. What did you take out of it? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> <laughs> So no, it's it, listen. It's difficult, as I said. That um, on Monday the, the the players all arrived and literally done a small side of the game um, on Tuesday. As I suggested, I didn't want to train at the National Mall, but that's where we trained, and um, we can't do anything. So all we we were limited to do head tennis. So literally had no time to do any tactics whatsoever. So you put the players out there and hope that they can figure things out. Um, and against a team like Arsenal, that's very difficult to do. Um, no, listen, I think everything around the game is great and it's, it's great publicity as well for the league. Um, moving forward, obviously, Apple um, coming into the league as well has is, is been great, although um, they, they didn't allow me, me staff to sit in the seats today. The, my staff got kicked out of the seats today um, by members of, of Apple, which... Um, and I wouldn't be doing my, my staff service if I didn't bring that up because um, if you're asked, getting asked to do the game and with your staff, you'd expect the, your staff to have seats to sit in. So that was very disappointing. Um, but I do think Apple will help the league grow moving forward. Shots fired there from Wayne Rooney, Herc. Are they warranted? Uh, before, I, before I get your answer, we should note the league is saying in a statement, an official statement, that Apple employees did not enter the technical area or take the seating of any technical staff. So take that for what it's right. Worth. It's also like his video staff, right? It's like, yeah, it's not an actual like part of the coaching crew. So um, shots fired for the I took absolutely nothing from this game. No, I think he's being honest. It's, it's a mm-hmm. reality. Now, if that honesty uh, is interpreted as a shots fired, I don't see how. It can irk some people, sure. But it's an all-star game. The history of all-star games in this sport – don't matter. There's one that does kind of. Like I said, the baseball, right? Baseball All-Star where uh, National uh, versus the American and, and the winning uh, you know, league is going to get home field advantage in the World Series. That, that's, that's not the case here. It, it, this is where it's not shots fired. I'll keep it there. And, and the MLS Apple thing, I could care less about it. I don't care who you want recording there. H- have them record somebody else or somewhere else. I, that's, that's an Audi <laughs> field technical thing instead of uh, going at Apple or Major League Soccer, if that's what you wanted to do. Hating on Audi Field. Ah, classic. I've never been. I've never been. I've only heard wonderful things, but I've heard. Um, I've got an issue with the All-Star Game in general. Um, The format of this necessity for Major League Soccer to want to feel included, to want to feel part of something bigger. Arsenal, let's get that shine. And then when you trot out players who have never Mm -hmm. played together and are in season and are your best players in the league and they get worked by a team in their first week of preseason, worked, they drop a hit, they drop five on you. They work you like that. You may know it's a a friendly. You may know it's an all-star game. Your people may know it's an all-star game. Your players may know it's an all-star game. Guess who doesn't see that? The rest of the world who doesn't know this, they just see Major League Soccer's best were routed 5-0 by a team in their preseason? This is Major League Soccer's best? The next day after this game, I'm watching uh, Football Picante on ESPN Deportes, and they're talking about the 5-0 win, Arsenal versus 
uh, the Major League Soccer All-Stars. They're having a laugh about it. And then one of the panelists turns over and says, you know, this makes Liga MX look bad. And the rest, and, you know, question, why? Why does it make Liga MX look bad? Because we lost two All-Star games to these guys. And now mm-hmm. they're getting beat 5-0 by Arsenal. So it goes to show you, the, the instant reaction is, wow, this is your best versus a preseason team. Yeah. I just think, I mean, and you've played in these games, I just think the motivation, like it's so unfair for people to say that, right? The motivation it is unfair, for Seb. a team like Arsenal, I don't know if you saw the post-game show, Balogun was on it, he said Arteta wanted us to take it seriously. You got new guys trying to prove it during preseason mode. Rooney didn't even have, he had him training on the National Mall, it was a photo opportunity. Um, and all these guys, like you said, are mid-season, I'm assuming nobody wants to get hurt in an All-Star game. So, I mean... Five nothing. It, it could have been ten. Like, there's no way well, MLS is going to beat well, a team hold that's on. motivated hold on. in hold the on. way that a team is. In Wayne pre-season. Rooney says himself that he was disappointed in the scoreline and the quality. He didn't say lack of quality. I'm sure he wasn't referring to the quality that he saw from Arsenal. And also, Seb, think about this for a second. Go back to the history of the All Star games. Major mm-hmm. League Soccer has competed against the Bayern Munich of Pep Guardiola twice against Chelsea. PKs against Real Madrid. They've done more in other All-Star games. I don't care if it is a glorified friendly. You can't let a a scoreline get out of hand like that just for pure pride, personal pride. Mm, There it is. All right, so the uh, MLS All-Stars falling 5-0 in the nation's capital to Arsenal. Uh, One of the All-Stars was Walker Zimmerman, and I had a chance to catch up with Walker in the hours before kickoff against Arsenal. Here's what he had to say about a variety of topics, but we did talk a lot about the U.S. men's national team. Walker Zimmerman, great to have you with us here on Football Americas. Uh, let's start with the most important question, man. How you feeling at this midway point of the season? Feeling good. You know, uh, unfortunately for us, we've had a, a tough skid here the last three or four games. Um, we were really focused on trying to get into this Leeds Cup break in a good spot. Um, not as high as we'd like to be in the table, but um, when you look at it, in a good position through 24 games and now a little bit of a break from MLS and uh, 10 games left. So got a lot, lot to, to keep working on. What's your approach to All-Star Week? Because it's kind of awkward, right? It's, it's a big game, but it's a friendly in the middle of a competitive season. I think first and foremost, it's, it's supposed to be fun for the players, for the families. It's a really cool honor, um, so you need to enjoy it. And D.C. has been a great host city. We've had a lot of fun being able to train at National Mall today go visit the White House, uh, meet the president, the first lady. So just, just once in a lifetime type of experiences. And, and that's what you're going to remember. At the same time, you're right. You are focused on a competitive match uh, tomorrow with a great side. So um, I'm sure once tomorrow rolls around, guys will be kind of tuning in to you know, their normal game day routine. But so far, it's been a very relaxing week and just trying to enjoy it. What does it mean to go up against that competition? You know, a team like Arsenal with so much history. It's fun. It's special. You know, I, I remember growing up watching Arsenal as being one of the, the teams that I would watch, uh, seeing Thierry Henry and, and that 4 team and that run that they had. It's, you know, a, a club that's historic. They've, they've obviously been in good form this past season. And, you know, I expect them to be very, very competitive despite it being a preseason match for them. Well, let's talk about your year a little bit because you come off the World Cup, which I think was a great success for you, really, the, the end of qualifying the whole campaign. And then you got to step right back into an, an MLS preseason. Can you walk us through kind of what that was like? 
It, it was difficult, no, no doubt about it, mentally, physically, emotionally. Um, it's It's been a lot the last couple of years, for sure, for a lot of the guys that were involved in that World Cup run, uh, both both domestic and abroad. Um, so, yeah, I think for me mentally, it was it was saying, you know, even though I made a World Cup, that's not the ultimate goal. Like, I'm chasing another one. I'm chasing 2026. I want to perform for Nashville. You know, they've put a lot of belief into me and my role as the team. And, uh, you know, it's my responsibility now to, to perform. And so I can't take a break. I can't relax, take my foot off the gas pedal. And uh, so I'm focused on, you know, taking it one game at a time and, and doing my best to help Nashville have a good run. You were on the field at the end of that nations league semifinal against mexico what was that like good atmosphere as always uh you know that uh both both fan groups are going to bring it whenever we play each other and especially when there's you know an opportunity to get into a final on the line uh so it was yeah it was hostile hostile environment um obviously there were the red cards that were thrown around there and it's just another game that adds to the the lore of this rivalry it was a 3 nothing final score. That was different. Uh, what did that feel like in the locker room afterwards? You know, honestly, we didn't talk too much about it. I think uh, in the past, we've always built up this this rivalry and been like, oh, it's, it's Mexico, uh, Mexico-US, what a big game. This time it was, they're in the way of our goal, which is to win the Nations League. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't necessarily Mexico versus U US. It was, this is a semifinal. This is a knockout game. Regardless of our opponent, they're in our path. And, and that's the kind of approach that we took it uh, this summer. Why do you think the rivalry has kind of taken that, that change? I, I think we have higher expectations of ourselves. Uh, we know historically, like, they've, they've had an advantage. They've been very competitive. Uh, but we look at the past couple of years, the past couple of opportunities uh, with trophies on the line, and we've had the better of them. And so I think the expectation for us is not just to, to try and compete, but to make them compete with us. And um, there's always going to be back and forth moments in all those games. They're, it's going to be intense. But at the end of the day, we think our quality is improving and that we have the chance to, to put our stamp on this rivalry. I think it was like five minutes into that game, maybe even before kickoff, when the news that Greg Berhalter was coming back broke. That's a guy who put a lot of faith in you. What was your reaction to, to seeing him re-sign? That was great. You know, I think he's done a lot with our team, a lot with our program. And you look at our last four years and uh, the growth that we've had, um, the implementation of getting new players uh, into the program. And obviously, we, we wanted to go further in the World Cup. But, uh, you know, we're all hungry and i think greg is you know leads us with that hunger and his desire to win his desire to compete and so ultimately we're all ready we're on board we're ready to try and get the job done in 2026. Well, let's talk about sunday night man because it, it was a huge moment in major league soccer history but beyond that probably american soccer history we saw Lionel messi unveiled when that player comes to your league how does it feel it's it's amazing. This is the shot heard around the world, man. This is this is messy. It's a different kind of brand. You know, it's nothing that we've seen before. I know we can kind of try and compare him to, to Beckham and what Beckham's influence was on MLS, which was massive. This is going to transcend that. And it's going to be a, a player who just won a World Cup, you know, the greatest of all time playing in your domestic league. Um, and it's going to be special. You know, you're going to see crazy fandom around the league. It's going to help boost the attention that soccer gets in the United States. And that's huge before, you know, Copa America 2024 and World Cup in 2026. 
You've been around this league a while, so you probably more so than most are pretty familiar with the, the economics of Major League Soccer. Obviously, the, the salary cap has played a huge role in the growth of the league. Now we see as Inter-Miami starts to try to piece this super team together, it's kind of getting in the way. Uh, as a player, do you see Lionel Messi joining the league and say, okay, hopefully we're going to a place where there either won't be a cap or there won't be one that's so restrictive? I think we're definitely moving in that direction. And I think that, you know, the rules that have been in place in the past, the level of growth in the league as we've continued to grow. Uh, but I do think that, especially with the signing, uh, with the quality of, of players that we're now starting to attract in the, the MLS, you're going to have to start seeing some less restrictive uh, things happen with the salary cap and with the payroll and with the overall structure of, of the team roster. So. Uh, I'm excited. I think players are, you know, seeing that development of the league year over year because it's been completely different, you know, my 11th season than it was in my rookie season. Yeah. All right. One last question for you. I got to talk about the play and surface, man. Everybody talks about turf. You're a guy who's been around the league forever. You're a veteran player. So you know what that stuff does to your body. A lot of people are pointing at Lionel Messi and saying, man, there's no way that this guy's going to play on turf. Is that something that Major League Soccer needs to address moving forward? I, you know, honestly, I'm really curious to see how it shakes out because you look at some of the stadiums with the newest turf uh, in the world. That's supposed to be amazing. Um, obviously, most of it in football stadiums. So, I mean, I think every soccer player will tell you they prefer to play on grass. But I... I'm very curious to see what's going to happen as we attract bigger, bigger names and bigger talents where, you know, the quality of the field is one of the most important things that affects the quality of the game, of the product. So ultimately, I, I hope we do end up one day having uh, all grass fields, but um, I think that's, that's a few years away, I would imagine. Walker, always appreciate your perspective, man. Thanks for joining us here on Football Americas. Thank you. All right, Herc. Always good to talk to Walker Zimmerman. Anything from that conversation stand out to you? Well, it's clear that you got him to talk about the Mexican national team and how it sounds to me like he's very confident of the dominance of... Mm -hmm. Make the... them compete with us, I yeah. believe was the quote. Yeah. Yeah. Um... I think that's reflective of the reality, though. I don't, I don't think he's talking out of turn or being boastful. I mean, no. they, they just won 3 nothing. You got to remember that... His national team career, that's what he knows, so that's what he speaks yep. of. And it's been six games where the Mexican national team has not been able to beat the U.S. men's national team. In fact, the last five games, they've only scored one goal against them. So whether fans like it or not, or whether they want to point to the scoreboard or not a scoreboard that is like something like 80 to 100 years old, that is mm -hmm. fine and fair. Just as Walker Zimmerman's make them compete with us um, should be a fine and fair. But... That is fuel. That is bulletin mm -hmm. board material that can come back to bite you, especially a Mexican national team right now that has a bit of life to them because of Jimmy Lozano. He's given them that hope, and it's the hope that kills you, I know. But I wouldn't – you know how this national team um, yeah. rivalry goes. It goes in waves with these two. Totally. It, it felt a little bit like the Memo Choa comments, right, that eventually led, led, led to Christian Pulisic's shirt and the – the man in the mirror. I, I thought the interesting comments were about turf and how the league is going to deal with Lionel Messi and turf. I think that's fascinating because MLS has always been a business first, more than the sporting product. And now you got some clubs that are going to have to make sporting decisions or business decisions. 
Because if you're if you're a and producer Beth is pointing out, Charlotte has already said no. Uh, Atlanta's hinting like they're going to say no. But these are huge stadiums with huge capacities that they would absolutely okay. fill if Lionel Messi's going. They might be turning down big revenue to give their teams a slightly better chance at winning, but also turning down a chance to have Messi come to town, which I'm sure even the fans in those cities want. So I, I'm I like Walker Zimmerman and fascinated to see how this is going to play oh, out. Okay, you, you said it, it's sporting as well, right? So, sporting-wise, you want a better product on grass. They play better on grass. They're safer on grass. That's what you're saying, right? What about Charlotte, who already said, we're not doing that? What's in their best sporting interest? To play against Messi or to play a team without Messi? Right, that's what I'm saying. And that's that's the point, right? If they they put grass down, they know he's coming. They know they're going to make a lot of money. If they leave the turf down, they know he's not coming. And that's going to give them, to your point, a huge advantage. And that's... Those are pulling you in two different directions, and MLS has always followed the money. And I'm interested to see if, if there's teams, and, and maybe we'll get a sense of who's really ambitious in the league Sam, now. I don't want to discredit fans. If there's fans. teams that say, I'm not going to chase the money. We're, we're going to try to win. I don't fans, but I've been in hotels, and they ask me what time Chucky Lozano's coming out, what time Raul Jimenez is coming out, what time Memo Cho is coming out, and I have to turn around and say, they're not here. This is the mm-hmm. third team that's playing. Okay. All right, well, our uh, summer of soccer, third team or not, will continue on Saturday at 5 p.m. Eastern time. Ooh, nice game. This one going off in New Jersey. I believe it just sold out earlier today. I got an email about it. Manchester United against Arsenal on ESPN, ESPN Deportes, and right here on ESPN+. Wilkinson's in the middle. Wilkinson! New Zealand won. Norway nil. Hannah Wilkinson. And look at what it means. I'm speechless. I just don't feel like I'm here at the moment. Um, I'm rooting for all the girls in the past, for the ones coming in the future. I still have goosebumps. I still have emotions in me. It's, uh, we, we waited for this moment for such a long, long time. History in New Zealand. Hannah Wilkinson's game-winning goal. The moment as the football ferns defeated heavily favored Norway 1-0 to open the tournament on Thursday. Congrats as well to a good friend of the show, Ali Riley, the captain for New Zealand. There were over 42,000 in attendance, and this, of course, was just hours after a mass shooting took place in Auckland. So, understandably, quite emotional scenes after the game. It was the first ever World Cup win for New Zealand. That's on the men's or women's side. And with the Philippines next, New Zealand looking quite good to advance in the tournament. They are, of course, co-hosting with Australia. Speaking of New Zealand, that's where Alexis Nunez is in the aftermath of the U.S. and their 3-0 win against Vietnam. Alexis caught up with the goal scorers, Sophia Smith and Lindsay Horan. Sophia Mabala, congratulations. Youngest player now in U.S. history to score multiple goals at a World Cup debut. Balling out. How'd you feel out there? I felt really good. It felt good to kind of get a game under our belt and I feel confident and I feel, you know, happy with where we are and 
personally, it was just good to, to get a feel for what a World Cup is like going into the tournament. And we just spoke to Megan, we just spoke to Lindsay as well, and they did share the fact that they would have liked to be a bit more clinical in the final third overall. Do you guys think of that a bit, or are you just happy with the three points and to move on? Oh, no, we're always thinking about ways we can get better. I, I think we could have scored several more goals, myself included, but... You know, it is what it is. The World Cup isn't always perfect or pretty, but yeah, I think we definitely can put away a few more chances. Lindsay, congratulations on the win. Yesterday you said how it was a dream for you to captain your country in a World Cup game, and now you topped it off with a goal. Tell me how you're feeling. Oh, I feel amazing. Um, yeah, it was it was a dream come true today. I got a little emotional uh, walking out for the national anthem, but uh, that's where we want to be. And, and first and foremost, I'm so happy with the win, uh, getting three points and starting off this tournament in a good way. You know, we have So Smith, uh, you know, being super, super special in, in her first World Cup game. So proud of her, not shocking at all. But um, and to cap it off with the goal, it's uh, it's a good night. From a tactical standpoint, I'm sure you wanted to be a bit more clinical, maybe with the with the shooting as well in the final third. Um, do you put that down to just kind of getting used to the, this game and getting used to again playing together, or do you dwell on it before the next match? No, not at all. I think I could tell you I missed three or four opportunities that I wish I, I had put away, but that's how it goes. That's how some of the games are, and, and we know we need to be better, and I think we'll go and, and watch some film on those and, and just see you know, maybe some more patience or final passes, final fin uh, finishes. Uh, we can be better, but that's the most important thing is we grow into this tournament. To get the three points now, is it a bit of a sigh of relief now you can relax a little bit more before the next game? Oh man, I don't know if we're ever relaxed. We're we're always rush ready. We're we always have that pressure on our back, and you know, we're we're just improving every single day. Uh, we're working every single day, and we're moving forward. So, um, yeah, we go home. We were we relax. We uh, we get our minds right and physically prepare for the next game. All the best for the next one. Thank you so much. All right, great work there from Alexis Nunez. Uh, thanks as well to producer out in the field, Jim Watalka, for hustling to get that sound uh, back to us here as the U.S. wins 3-0 against Vietnam. No doubt some World Cup memories made tonight. And speaking, Herc, of World Cup memories, when I sat down with members of the national team before they left for the tournament, I had a chance to ask, what were their favorite memories of the World Cup? Let's check it out. My favorite World Cup memory was the semi-final against England, uh, 2019 World Cup. I gave an assist to Alex Morgan, and I think it was one of the coolest moments of my career. Obviously, I, I was involved, but uh, when Alex finished it, uh, it kind of just it it made me realize that we were going to the World Cup final, that we had a chance of playing for for a trophy. And I think in that moment, after that game, uh, the final whistle blew. All the emotions came rushing in that I was going to be uh, playing for a World Cup. My favorite World Cup memory is watching the national team win the 2015 World Cup and understanding what was happening and realizing that that's what I wanted to do. My favorite World Cup memory was watching Carla Lloyd score the goal against Japan from halfway. My favorite World Cup memory was World Cup final against Japan. Carly Lloyd, hat trick, half field goal, was a huge moment in women's soccer, changed the game, and I mean, I've looked up to that um, athlete for so long, so um, I think she changed the game for sure, and I'll never forget that. Oh, it's gonna be a good one. No, I'm thinking of all the different ones, but. Um... My favorite 
Okay, well I have two. Well, this isn't my favorite one. It's just like my first World Cup That's memory. Perfect. That's perfect. And it's it's kind of grim. It was when the U.S. lost to Germany three to zero. And I was so upset. I think I was eight years old. I was so upset. I went on the top of my bunk bed and like cried. And my mom had to come and was like, "Are you okay?" And I was like, "I need some time alone. I need to like sit with it." But then my favorite one is obviously 2015. Watching them win it by a lot it was really cool and fun. At the final in France when I got to hug my family after. It was like emotional. It was, it was a good time. Honestly, I think my favorite World Cup moment is Abby scoring against Brazil in the quarterfinals um, in extra time and just that cross from Pino and the ball was just like in the air forever and Abby heading it away for us to move on to the semifinal because, you know, if we didn't score that goal, like, who knows what was gonna happen. Um, and I think that was like my first taste of like, just like victory, we didn't win that year, but it was just the first moment that I was like, oh yeah, I wanna be here, like this is a rush. My favorite World Cup memory um, is stepping on the field for the very first time, um, soaking it all in, um, celebrating myself for the journey that I've been on, but definitely those first moments of stepping foot on the field were my favorite and first memories. Oh. Man, one of my favorite World Cup memories is um, 2019 semifinal, Kristen Press scoring and looking up at her mom. We're gonna take her. Our coverage of the Women's World Cup continues on Wednesday, the 26th, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPN2. We'll be in the ESPN FC studios building up to the United States against Netherlands, a rematch of the 2019 World Cup Final. All right, that'll do it for this edition of Football Americas. As always, Hercules Gomez, great to be with you. The next time we'll see each other and the next time we will see you, our faithful viewers, will be on Monday when I can promise you an exclusive conversation with Herc's good friend, Hector Herrera, who was very upset that Herc didn't show up to the interview. Wasn't and invited. also Herc had some very interesting things to say about the possibility of Chucky Lozano moving to LAFC. Lozano. All that on Monday's edition of Football Americas. He's hurt. I need a vacation I'm from set. you. I'm out. Beto's counting me out. We'll see you on Monday. Have a good weekend. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.